Hello and welcome to the Matthew Clark Interviews podcast, where we sit down with the industry's key figures. Today we're talking to David Bicknell, Chief Winemaker of Oak Ridge Wines, a family-owned winery in Australia's Yarra Valley. Founded in 1978, Oak Ridge are an award-winning and internationally renowned winery that pioneered wine growing in the upper Yarra Valley region. Thank you for being here today, David. How are, how are you finding uh, London? It's not raining at the moment, so it's perfect. <laughs> good, good. Um, you've been to London quite a few times already, haven't you? Many times. Yeah, yeah. so it's yeah. really business only. This is business. No, yeah. no, it's not. It's always pleasure. <laughs> What's well, wine and for? Well, my, so. my business is pleasure. That, that is. Right, so um, first thing I want to ask you, I saw that um, wine writer James Halliday described you earlier this year as an exceptionally gifted winemaker who exemplifies all that's admirable about the movers and shakers of Australia's wine artisans. Now that's quite quite a compliment. Um, how, how did you get to this point? Where did your life in, in wine start? You know, James is my uncle. Is he? No, he's not. <laughs> he's not. Um, but uh, James, I've... James is a mentor though, and um, he uh, he doesn't live very far from us, mm-hmm. so we're his local restaurant as well. We do see a lot of James, so we do have a close relationship um, that is both professional and personal now. Mm-hmm. Um, and James is quite an old man now, so um, and, but I think James has been able to um, track my career and that that's you know that's always nice where you've got somebody like that looking over your shoulder and yeah. um, uh, and I think he's seen what we've done and, and tried to do in in terms of our production and in terms of style and and I guess it stands out because it's not what everyone else was doing at the time the, the way we've um, directed our business the way we've fought because it's a business that um, Oak Ridge will be 40 next year and it's in its third phase of ownership. Mm-hmm. So um, I've battled for, through two difficult ones yeah. and I think he, he respects the fact that we've been able to um, keep the wine making and the viticulture pretty consistent despite um, the business changing hands, mm-hmm. ownership changing, um, we've managed to keep the team together mm-hmm. and, um, and that's often the hardest thing. Yeah development as well. Well, he, he's seen the wines from, from when I first went to Oak Ridge back in 2002, mm-hmm. and the wines were, were pretty grim, mm-hmm. um, as, and that's an understatement. So for us to turn it around as quickly as we did, I think it took only two or three years to really turn the winemaking around, mm-hmm. um, but to continue to push for what we thought was the right thing to do. Yeah which is the opposite of what everyone else was doing at the time. And so we, we really developed this philosophy of trying to understand um, the individual sites that we work with mm-hmm. and really try and pull apart um, all the detail. Yeah. So very much a, everything we've done has been minimalist mm-hmm. to try and take out as many influences and then we can determine what the core issues are. Mm-hmm. and try and improve them so it's been slow steady you know things that have happened so when James says nice things well yeah. it's good yeah well deserved so. well I hope so <laughs> very good um, 
Now, following this um, compliment, uh, you've also just won the Australian Gourmet Traveller Wines Winemaker of the Year Award. That's probably more important than than James. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a dreadful thing to say, <laughs> but 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 it is because if you look back, uh, Gourmet Traveller have been running uh, the Winemaker of the Year for twenty years, mm-hmm. um, which predates uh, a lot of the things that James has done. Yeah. And when you look through the roll call of who those winemakers have been over the years, the Jeffrey Grossets and Vanya Cullens and um, Steve Panels of the world, um, you know, it's the elite winemaking producers in the country in the in the last, you know, 20 years. Yeah. And to be in that company, that's pretty humbling. Yeah. And because it's it's not an individual... Uh, an award from an individual mm-hmm. like James does. Yeah. It's a it's a group of writers, yeah. a reasonable a reasonably large selection of writers who who come up with the award. To have so many of them put you up um, yeah. again, that's that's it's a really gratifying thing to mm-hmm. happen. Um, of course, I wasn't going to go to the awards. I did everything <laughs> I could to get out of it uh, because it's just not what we're into. Yeah, you know, it's nice when people say nice things about you but it's not what we're in the business for yeah it's about making amazing wines well it is and that's that's what we love doing but i think for me the most gratifying thing about it is it wasn't just about the wines it's also about uh, the industry involvement i've had and so there are a couple of key things that um, i've been involved in in the industry one is um, wine show judging where um, you know i've been lucky enough to be the chief judge in some of the big wine shows in Australia mm-hmm. and so I've obviously had some guidance in terms of style and style direction mm-hmm. um, but there's another another industry body called the um, Victorian Pinot Noir Workshop which um, I co-founded 16 years ago and it's one of the reasons why Australian Pinot Noir is is better not, not because of me but because of this organization where we get together as a group of winemakers 60 and we tear each other's wines to shreds pretty make much it and, and it yeah. is and it's all about improving and improvement and we share a lot of technical information mm-hmm. we taste wines from all over the world and always tasting blind so you never know what's in front of you mm-hmm. it makes you think about what you're doing and, and it's made all of these winemakers go back to, to their vineyards and take back new technique, new ideas, mm-hmm. um, technical ideas that can improve their wines. And that's one of the reasons why it's dramatically improved. So yeah. really nice to get that recognition through through that body as well. Yeah. So all in all, quite an amazing year for you so far. Uh, it, it has been, yeah. yeah. Good. Yep. Um, now, just going on to um, to the Yarra Valley. Um, so it's it's one of the oldest regions in Victoria. How would you uh, describe the region and the wines um, for those that are not too familiar with uh, with the Yarra Valley? Well, there's two ways of describing it. One is that it's completely schizophrenic. Uh, the other is probably the more traditional approach, which is that um, we're in a, a classic cool climate environment, mm-hmm. and so. Um, for the majority of us, it's the classic varieties of Northern Europe that we that we we deal in um, on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. 
so it, it it can be hard for people to understand. I think I think that really the perception now is that it's it's Chardonnay and Pinot Noir equal first, and then Daylight to the next most important variety. But it, it's a it's an unusual region in that we effectively have um, three different climates in the valley, and while we see the valley as being quite small compared to Australian standards of everything, it it's a small region. Uh, it's only forty kilometres by forty kilometres. Um, you know that's a lot bigger than Burgundy, yeah. um, but the side, the vineyard area is quite small and spread out. So we have three different climates, and so depending on where you are in the valley, and depending on the geology you're in, because we have in general two different types of geology, it, it depends on what you, what you're able, your potential with any particular variety. Mm-hmm. So people at the very high end of the valley, in the south, are really only making sparkling wine. Um, those in the middle steps, which is where we we're mostly these days, it's it is Chardonnay and Pinot Noir and the higher, cooler parts. Mm-hmm. And then down on the valley floor, it's uh, it's the later varieties. And so, um, Cab has historically been king mm-hmm. um, from the early days, and Shiraz. And there's a lot of experimental work going on with other varieties now for other producers. But I would suggest that Cab is still the number one variety down there but it's become a smaller part of the valley. You said it's, it's a cool climate region, uh, Yarra Valley. What's the, the secret then to great cool climate wines? Oh, well, it's balance. In fact, well, the three most important things with any wine are yeah. balance, balance and balance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it doesn't get any more difficult than yeah. that. And, uh, and, and because we're, we're dealing with, uh, with grapes where we, we don't have to ameliorate them with anything, i.e. they've got a wonderful acidity and lowish pHs and good flavour um, at relatively low sugar levels, it, make, it makes winemaking almost effortless. Now that's what, you know, we always say it's effortless, but there's a lot of effort that goes into growing those grapes. But because the, the raw material is so good, we were able to make these wines that just have wonderful balance and elegance and finesse. Well, it is truly an amazing um, range that we'll, uh, we'll talk about in a little bit. Now, just to, to touch back on it, we, we talked about it a little bit before. What is, is your philosophy at Oak Ridge? Well, I, I think I, the way I like to just... It, it's, about, it's about purity and elegance. Mm-hmm. And um, the thing that I always trot out and will trot out, you know, this afternoon is that we're trying to make fruit-flavoured wines, not tree-flavoured wines. So while we do use, um, and we buy new barrels every year, the amount of new oak that we use is really quite low because Mm -hmm. um, oak is just a, um, for us, barrels are um, just a vessel that um, helps us to mature and create wines. But... We don't want it to be the dominating feature of it. Mm-hmm. You know, it is. It's about purity of expression and elegance. And when when we get it right, there are wines that, and this is when anyone gets it right, they have a natural resonance, these wines, where even lay people who don't understand perhaps fine wine will try it and go, oh, I like that. Don't know why, but I really like it. Yeah. Like There's something about it, and that's... Yeah, that's the bit we're trying to capture mm-hmm. with these wines. Great. So. Yeah. Well, that's, um, that's I think, a great way to... So I nearly uh, hypnotised you there, didn't I? Sorry? I nearly hypnotised yes, you with I that. Yes, <laughs> Where's the glass of wine? We should actually be drinking <laughs> during should. this interview. Right. Um, now, just 
talking about the, the range that you've got, so we've got 10 wines that you um, produce, but from all of them, uh, your Chardonnays attract uh, by far the most attention. What do you think is the secret to that? Uh, luck. 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 <laughs> it is. It is. Um, it is partly luck mm-hmm. because the the vineyards that we're working with and the mature vineyards that we're working with, and so um, you know they're up to most of them are between twenty and forty years of age. So they're in their prime working career, yeah. and most of these vineyards were planted for sparkling wine, and. Uh, going back 20 years ago and in fact 40 years ago where they were planted the region was only capable of getting them to sparkling climate change Mm -hmm. um, has come along and and is quite real and in the last um, 15 years the average harvest date has moved forward by one and a half days per year so Mm -hmm. we're looking at you know nearly a month earlier um, than 15 years ago, which is quite terrifying, um, and we're not sure if that'll keep marching on. We, it's hard for us to to con- conceive it. Mm-hmm. Um, but what it's meant is that they, these varieties, the Chardonnay and Pinot in particular, have moved from only having sparkling based potential into table wine potential, and reliably into table wine potential. Mm-hmm. And um, in fact, we're it's the cooler sites that we value higher than the than the slightly warmer ones um, because it's not a ripeness thing we're chasing you know it's a there's an intersection of flavor and an acidity and tannin um, that we're after in physiological ripeness and sugar ripeness corresponding at the same time that that's the bit we're chasing and so mm-hmm. with the cooler vineyards we have more of an opportunity with them to to nail that that, that picking point. It's the extra three, four weeks of reliable weather in autumn that yeah. we, we've now got mm-hmm. have, have pushed all those vineyards into that realm. Yeah. And so I have been lucky because if I was um, you know, my age now and sort of stepped into this, it would kind of all be too late. But because it's been happening from early on in my career and we've been able to respond and understand it and move with it, you know, I've walked into the probably the best period the valley's ever going to have for making Chardonnay and Pinot. Because we're not sure where climate change is going to go. Mm -hmm. So it may not get any better than it is now, which um, I'd be surprised it is, because we can can go higher if we need to. There's another another step we can go up in the hills, but we're not really prepared to do that at the moment. And for where I am now, to plant another vineyard um, and to get to the maturity we're at now, I'll be bloody old by the time I finish. Yeah, you're going to need a lot more luck then, don't you? So I need more luck. <laughs> okay, so um, well, all of the wines uh, do attract a lot of praise, um, but the local vineyard series, they pick up medals every single uh, every single year. Can you talk um, a little bit about that range? That well, happen? that's the important part of the experiment, really, is to get people to, to understand and believe in... In that concept of concept of provenance with the wines that we produce, and, and I think um, that in this country it's no different to back home. At the moment, in in food in general, the big movement is about food provenance. The cow has been grown by someone, the lettuce by someone, the cheese from a particular producer. Mm-hmm. There are all these elements that 
that sell the story and tell the story of the origins of of the food mm-hmm. and for for winemaking really in our country it hasn't that hasn't been that strong mm-hmm. um, the bigger companies have tended to dominate the market and they tend to be blend from all regions you know the whole concept of southeast australia you know which is an area that's bigger than the united kingdom mm-hmm. um, is the giveaway on that um, and 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 we wanted to really push the idea of provenance um, you know it's what part of Burgundy has always been mm-hmm. is about the provenance of particular vineyards and I, and I guess that's the, the model that we can see as being um, a, a helpful guide but we're not going to wait 2,000 years to, to understand it. You know, we're in a, a much greater hurry to, to crack on yeah. and really understand it and so there's a couple of vineyards that we have dropped by the wayside and we've, um, we've bought two vineyards so that we that we believe in that have got all that potential so we can we can continue to drive that along and so LVS is that vehicle for those wines mm-hmm. and I mean we haven't changed the price on those wines for years because we want people to get hooked on that idea we want to make it approachable and and the, and so that they get used to seeing those wines and every year you know, with a couple of different vineyards that come out, mm-hmm. that there's there's often one that they will gravitate to, that they prefer, yep. and and often really the the vineyards, uh, you can sense the house style, you can taste that if you taste the vineyards next to each other, mm-hmm. but they all come in slightly different shapes and sizes, and of course everyone's a little bit different, you know, and so I mean we often joke about it, they're just different dress sizes, you know, Lusatia Park has always been the sort of the Kate Moss type. <laughs> Um, figure that's in there that's you know sort of long and lean and elegant mm-hmm. and Willow Lake is the you know the sort of more Sophia Loren you know a bit more flesh and and, and you know there's just a bit more substance about it yeah and and people gravitate to those styles and um, and once they get used to it and they like it and they follow those wines um, that's what that's what we're after yeah so it's really about local but also approachable and not a one one size fits all but well it's not a one everyone. size fits all because yeah. everyone's different and yeah. um i mean if you if you you know if you're a, a fan of shabley um you know the different vineyards there have yeah. different fans yeah same in same in burgundy and once people sort of get used to that sort of concept and they start to follow the one they the producer and the vineyard that they like and they buy them regularly yeah. then we get to stay in business yeah so about the um the 864 now those wines are only released in the best years and, and quite small quantities so what is the story really behind this range and, and how important to you is it to put the quality over the quantity yeah. we're not burgundy so we can't put any half-assed wines out and charge a Monty for it. You know, it just doesn't work. The extra detail that comes with 864, though, if we look at a vineyard like Lusatia Park, we could conceivably have six different wines from the one block in any one vintage. Mm-hmm. And and so we, we put ourselves through the, the pain of having all of these smaller sections marked out. Um, we've got all of the all the vineyards we have, you know, completely surveyed. Um, with elevations as well so um, we've made judgment decisions on where we feel that the sections start and end 
and we pick these sections separately, we vinify them separately, they mature separately, and it allows us then, through the course of the year, to go through and assess and reassess and reassess. And there's always a few bits that we find that are better. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's, this is the real kind of detail on, on site management that we're into now. That's where these A64 wines come from. It's the, it's the best bit from the very best bit from the very best picks on the very best vineyards. So the best of the best. The best of the, the best. best. Yeah. Yeah. And and again, they've had two thousand years of sorting this out in Burgundy, and every <laughs> little bit is marked out. And that's really what we're we're still in the in the process of doing. That is uh, quite amazing. We'll so there's be, a lot uh, of work. Yeah, a lot of work. We'll be, we'll be chasing a little bit of it afterwards, sure. won't we? Um, right, so the final um, range that, uh, that we have is the over-the-shoulder range. So what really separates these wines from, from the others? Well, we've changed our approach to over-the-shoulder over the years. We, um, I'm guilty of dumbing them down in the past mm-hmm. and deliberately making them mm, perhaps more overly fruit-forward than, sh- than they ought to be, just so it was quite clear if anyone tasted all three of the wines, so 864, and a vineyard and the vineyard wines together and over the shoulder they go oh okay well that's obviously the cheapest one mm-hmm. because it tastes that way and that was one of the most stupid things I've, I've done um, so again with changing the winery setup and putting more attention into the OTS wines we've really ratcheted up the quality level of OTS and they're going through a very similar um, winemaking process now to all the good, all the good parcels as well. Mm-hmm. So the real distinction, though, for OTS is that um, that in general they're from a variety of vineyards in the valley, mm-hmm. and there's also some grower fruit that goes into those as well, where we have a little less control over the viticulture. That sort of forces its hand a little bit because, and there's some warmer sites that often go in there as well, but. Um, some of the over-the-shoulder wines are single vineyard wines as well and we don't say it we don't state it but things like the um, Cabernet Merlot um, come from our vineyard where it's it's all A-grade fruit and um, you know so that's arguably the best wine we make Mm -hmm. it's the best value wine we make because it's A-grade material you know it's $50 material going into $20 wines the idea of dumbing down wines was really dumb (laughs) And sometimes, you know, you've got to get sort of old and grey before you understand and realise these things. Yeah. Well, at least you've realised it. That's, <laughs> I've that's realised good. it. Yeah. <laughs> what do you see um, as, as the future for Oak Ridge? What do you see happening? Well, I'd like to think there'll be a resurgence in interest in Cabernet. Mm-hmm. Because where, where, where the winery is and where our restaurant is, we're right in the... In the heart of where all the good cab in the Yarra Valley is grown and arguably um, the three most important wines in the Yarra Valley are still cab from three of the old estates so Mount Mary, um, Yarra Yearing with their dry red number one and, um, and Yearingburg who are our next door neighbour mm-hmm. and they're, they're still seen as being the, the icon wines of the valley and we're right in that heartland where we grow cab and if, if you do believe in the whole concept of um, terroir and site and what, these, um, what it can give you, then, then we ought to be 
sort of moving towards that sort of realm as well. Thank you so much for uh, taking time to uh, have a bit of a chat uh, with too, us today. Too easy. Just make sure there's drinks next time. Yes, well, we'll, we'll drink now. It's all we'll right to know. <laughs> Good. Well, thank you. To find out more about Oak Ridge, visit the Matthew Clark website or talk to your account manager. And don't forget to join us next time when we will be chatting to Alistair Rimmer, winemaker at Kleiner Salsa.